Hey, this is Jason from Dry Kill Logic, and you're listening to Epitome of Stupidity. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 75 of right. Epitome of Stupidity. Right, hang on. What? Right. Hmm? Right. What? You hear that in the background? Strike Kill. That's Strike Kill fucking logic, man. <laughs> that is their song, Vices. I am um, a previously unknown form of excited about this. Yes, he was dancing. This is fucking literal, and I know what literally means. Now what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> We're dancing, man. We have uh, probably our, our biggest guest coming up on the show, right. at least to us. Uh, yes, biggest deal to us for sure. Um, the, again, their song Vices playing in the background. It is uh, amazing. It's one of many songs of theirs that make me want to run through a fucking wall. Uh, other songs include uh, 200 Years, uh, From Vengeance to Killer, I can see he's a better man than me. All these songs I, make me just want to pummel things. <laughs> That's why they're great. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take it from here right into what we're currently listening to because I'm currently listening to a shitload of Dry Kill Logic for, you know, some reason, just for the fun of it, baby. I've also snuck in some Nine Inch Nails. Some, was it Pine? Did we figure out how that was pronounced? Yeah, I think so. Pine, Pine, Pin, Pine. whatever. Pinjin? Sure. Conjurer. Uh, and uh, Ohm, O-H-H-M. I finally got around to listen to that. It's uh, it's like it's like if Spotlights wanted to do noise rock or if Horrors wanted to do the... Spotlight rock? Yeah. It, it's it's really good. Um, somebody's rolling their eyes at me right now listening to this for me saying I'm just now listening to that. Hi, but Lou. Whatever. No, not uh, at all. She does know them, though. We'll uh, have a conversation about that later. Yeah. Brian, what are you listening to? Says here, probably, probably something, something dumb. dumb. <laughs> um, doing my research on the dry kill, and I've listened to that new Deftones probably three or four times. Oh yeah, I've been listening to that too. That's yeah. uh, that's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's good. Thank God. Yes, agreed. Um, this is the part where we holler at our dudes at Brimminghorn. Uh, if you want to drink like a Viking, and who doesn't? Don't yawn through the fucking sponsor read. What the hell? <laughs> sponsor read. Look at you using <laughs> fucking technical terms. Brimminghorn make great mead. They literally won awards for being the best there is again this week. Uh, they took home the gold for one category and bronze and a different one. Brimminghornmeadery.com. Use the code EPITOMEAD, E-P-I-T-O-M-E-A-D, and get 10% off. They'll ship some delicious mead right to your door. Obviously, you've got to be over 21. Do it. It's delicious. Buzzed on a budget. I mean, what's the... Buzzed on a discount. Buzzed on a discount. There yes, you go. There you go. Buzzed with a discount. Buzzed with a discount. Discounted buzz. Lightyear. Band name. I don't know. Called it. This is the Dry Kill Logic intro. <laughs> We're talking to Jason Bozzi, Bozzi, one of the two. We're going Bozzi. 
I think. Yeah. Bozzy, he is the guitar player from, what, all of the albums except the first one? Except for uh, Nightmare Logic, and uh, I guess he wouldn't have been the guitar player for Hinge previous to Nightmare Logic, previous to the name change. So. Dracula Logic is a band that I, we have been into for literally 20 years. Again, I know what literally means. They're a band. I didn't start a Facebook page until we started this podcast. I almost started a Facebook page twice in between 2016 and when I, or 2006. And when I did start a Facebook page, I almost started one twice just looking for updates on what the hell Dry Kill Logic was doing. That is a little behind the music there. That's totally for real. <laughs> um, so, again, to say I'm excited would be underselling it to the point where I'm not even going to let Brian dial the numbers. I'm going to dial them. Oh, shit. Beep, boop, 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 beep, beep, beep. Ring. Ring. Oh, I, nope. Uh, the end tone is good. All right. Andy answered. Believe it or not, we are still shooting, what, 100% on 100%, phone calls yes. that people know about? So, on the line with us, uh, again, I'm no small amount of excited about this. On the line with us is Jason. We're going with Bozzy of Dry Kill Logic. That is a correct pronunciation. Woo! Yes, it Nailed is. it. How you guys doing? First time ever. We're doing fucking better now. How are you doing? Uh, doing all right. You know, all things considered. Um, doing okay during the apocalypse. Right. You know, can't complain. The, uh, the, ever, the never-ending fun of 2020. Yes, here we go. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been an interesting year. The, I... I I have all these things written down here to ask you, and for the past 20 years, I've wondered about one thing in particular. I know, if I understand things right, you weren't an original member of the band, but I assume you will still know the answer to this. Where the hell, hopefully, hopefully. where the hell did the name Dry Kill Logic come from? Okay, it's, um, it's not going to be the most exciting story. Um, so, the band was originally called Hinge, and... They had gotten, this was before I was in the band, they got signed to Roadrunner, um, and they got a cease and desist letter from, if I remember this correctly, a recording studio out of Chicago area called Hinge Studios or something like that, saying, you got, can't use the name. Okay, instead of fighting it, this and that, they just said, all right, we're going to become Hinge AD. Um, they printed up all the records with Roadrunner for the first uh, the Dark Side of Nonsense album threw an AD sticker on it because they had already printed the covers, I think, for a certain <laughs> amount of them. Um, the recording studio decided to double down and say, not good enough. We want like an absurd amount of money if you want to use this name. Basically, it was a bit of a shakedown is how I kind of understood it when it was explained to me. Um, so they were in the studio re- finishing up the album, like mixes and stuff, trying to come up with something. The drummer, Phil, had a instruction manual for some guitar gear that he was reading and during this like the schematic breakdown there was a button called the dry kill logic button <laughs> basically it's like between the dry and wet signal it was just a technical term on like the logic board or something like wow. that and he was like oh that just sounds like a really cool term we need something like today we need a name today and they were just like trying to figure out names and he was like here's a name and they're like yeah great go go with it <laughs> sure <laughs> Definitely just out of necessity. That's actually that's actually pretty fucking genius. That's right. that's pretty great. That's how we name everything. Just stuff as a passing glance, <laughs> yeah, you know. Right. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. And when you think about the when you think about the era, it was like definitely the era of like three, ba- you know, three name 
band names and three <laughs> sure, word band yeah. names and stuff like that. The word kill was in it, you know, like it was like it just checked all the boxes. <laughs> it's just it had everything going for it. Yeah, in two thousand or whatever it was, two thousand one. The uh, and I guess since you mentioned it, there we'll go ahead and touch this now as well. You weren't an original member of the band. How did you end up joining the band? And uh, you know, the the lineup changes over the years and all that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the original band. Uh, four guys from Westchester, New York. Um, the original guitar player, Scott, uh, who, who's on the first album, he had left the band right during uh, the time Roadrunner was dropping the band from the roster. Um, he had another career as a tattoo artist as well. Uh, I think pretty much was uh, getting ready. If he didn't already, he might have even already moved to Florida to do it to open a tattoo shop. If, Forgive me if I get it wrong, Scott, but that's how I <laughs> seem to remember the story. Um, we had mutual friends from the tri-state area. I'm from New Haven, Connecticut originally. I was playing in a band at the time. I had I had just left it, but I was in a band for a number of years. Um, we had never played together with Dry Kill Logic, but we knew of each other. We had a couple of mutual friends, kid Eric Cole and this girl Lisa, who worked uh, more on the media side of the music business. Um, they were friends with my band and with Dry Kill. When Dry Kill lost Scott, um, they both kind of independently thought of me as a good replacement um, because they knew I had just left my old band, Gargantua Soul. So they had both called me and called Cliff from Dry Kill to say, you know, this guy's available. You should talk to him. So, you know, I got the call, learned a couple of songs, went down to New York, and um, yeah, that was that. Uh, yeah, it, it was just we got along really, really well. We had met once or twice at some shows in the past, just as like, you know, hanging out, handing out flyers, things like that. We always knew of each other. So when we got together, it just clicked pretty quick. I was fooling around with some with some stuff, working on a sideband with Brendan, who eventually became our bass player. Um, I was just noodling some riffs, warming up um, for my audition. And they came in and said, what was that? And uh, ended up being, we wrote a song that night, which was Buckles. Um, nice. on the uh the dead end dream yeah it was just uh it was a me and brendan were kind of doing like more of like a botched noise core project on the <laughs> side and that was one of the riffs that i had written like a week earlier and i was just kind of noodling with it and um the intro riff the buckles and they opened the door and they're like what is that i'm like oh just something i'm playing around with they're like can we work on it and we ended up writing a song that night so yeah kind of clicked immediately so that's that's how i got in the band just funny friends in the in the scene funny funny bit of uh coincidence here Buckles is the song you were listening to when I walked in. Half an he's hour pointing at he's pointing at me. He's pointing. I was listening to. <laughs> yeah, that is the fucking song you were listening to. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned there in passing that uh, oh, that was at the time that Roadrunner was dropping the band, uh, which yeah. sounds like a bad thing, but in in reality, it was a good thing because if I read it right, Roadrunner wanted to wanted Dry Kill to go in a more commercial manner, and Dry Kill gave Roadrunner the double birds about that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much the way it was told to me. And I, I say the way it was told to me because, again, in case I'm um, paraphrasing it incorrectly, I, I don't want to be tied to it but, right. um, because I wasn't, you know, it's third party when I tell it to you. But, uh, yeah, basically um, the story was, you know, it's post 9-11. Um, radio is skewing really, really soft. Nickelback is blowing up. Roadrunner, you know, takes a chance on a, on a non-metal band at the time. It ends up being their bread and butter during this period of time because their song gets approved for 
the pre-approved playlists after 9-11 on the radio. Um, all the heavy stuff is getting sidelined. And they decide this is what we want, you know, our bands moving forward to sound like more for at least a minute, you know? Right. And so they came to, to Dry Kill Logic and said, you know, we need you guys. You guys already do a little bit of singing, the acoustic song at the end with Good Night and everything. We, we need more of that. And um, honestly, I feel like the band was looking to go heavier at the time. It just didn't align with what they wanted to do. And I just don't think they, they really felt like wanting to be dictated to in that way. Um, so, yeah, basically, they're like, we don't think this is going to work. And you could say it was a, an amical breakup, you know, um, because neither wanted to do what the other wanted to do. And they just said, all right, let's just part ways. So that's how that worked out. Um, I mean, the, the funny part of the, the, the follow up to that is that they signed right afterwards, Kill Switch Engage. And it was like, who kind of ushered in like, no, heavy is going to heavy is great. Heavy is here to stay. Right. And that kind of changed the landscape, I think, in a lot of ways for, for the music moving forward. And they ended up, you know, saying, let's just sign a million heavy bands again. But the band Dry Kill had already gotten dropped by that point. Which so, is, you know, in the end, that's their fucking loss because that that was a anyways, I won't say too long on that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's OK. Look, I, I won't say who it was, but when I first joined the band, we we did a couple of showcase gigs in, in New York City, and a couple of people from Roadrunner came, and it, it, look, <laughs> Roadrunner is definitely not hurt by Dry Kill not being on the roster. <laughs> it's not a big, and it's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but a couple of the guys came, and when we started playing songs like Buckles and everything that night, yeah, afterwards they were like, oh, we, we didn't realize that's what you guys were going to be doing. Right. If we knew that, you know, who, you know, but hindsight's 2020. Who knows? Of course. Um, yeah, no hard feelings. And we, we had a nice run afterwards with an independent label with repossession. Well, yeah. And I've actually got a, uh, a, a little note here about record labels that we'll get to shortly while we're talking about the transition from, um, nightmare, ah, shit, darker side of nonsense into uh dead and dreaming it, it you know dry kill still gets tagged as new metal and there seems to have been a pretty clear stylistic change when you came on with the guitars do you consider you know i i would ask if there was a clear change on purpose but i'm pretty sure the answer is i play the way i play type right. but is is new metal like a dirty word to you guys um no, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's a dirty word in the sense of the, the connotation that everybody else has around it. Um, it's kind of funny, though, and, and I don't want to get too too tangential with it, but it's, it's really interesting how in 2020 everybody looks fondly back with rose-colored glasses. It's like all of a sudden new metal. I mean, I don't think you could have bands like Amur and stuff like that without new metal roots. Um, I don't think you would ever tag a band like Amira as new metal, but I think you could see a, a direct line yeah. of bands of that nature, like the slam, the slam core bands and stuff like that. You know, it seemed very heavily, very heavily influenced by the original new metal bands, the Corns and stuff like that of that era. Um, and, and people seem to look back now at even bands like mine and say like, oh, I loved you guys in, in, you know, in high school or whatever. But it's like, you know, it's funny in 2006, you know, we weren't exactly getting the love because yeah, we were considered passe and, and part of that, you know, that dirty era of new metal. Um, but to your original question, um, no, it wasn't an intentional shift at all. Um, I think when I joined the band, uh, it was very obvious to me immediately that a lot of the writing was done by the drummer, uh, Phil Arcuri, 
at the time. Um, he had written a lot of it, but also a lot of it was written by the original guitar player too, Scott. Um, I think that's where a lot of the, what you would call your typical, not typical, I don't mean that um, negatively, but just your, your more prototypical new metal style riffs. Um, he was really into bands like that, very influenced by stuff like that. So that's where you got a lot of those, those riffs. I came more from a very standard kind of thrash metal and hardcore background. And that is just the way I wrote. Um, Phil still wrote a lot of stuff. You hear a song like Lost uh, that was heavily written by Phil. A lot of the, you know, a lot of the influence was still there, especially on the first album I did with them, The Dead and Dreaming. Um, there's still some of those riffs there, but most of the stuff I write just comes from a lot of thrash and hardcore kind of background. Um, so I think that's where you got the style shift when I joined. It was just, I, I'm just more of a prototypical metal, you know, metal core guy. And, uh, yeah, I'm all for it because we were talking yesterday, sitting here shooting the shit about how much we love the fucking riffs, especially on the new shit. And well, again, I won't fangirl too much. Here. <laughs> um, what is the current lineup? Um, so the current lineup is really just, it's just me, Cliff and Brendan at this point, Phil, um, Phil no longer plays with us, unfortunately. Um, just he, over the years, well, you know, the answer to the, the answer to the question is it's just me, Brendan, Kane, Duff, um, and and Cliff Organo. We we're dry kill now. Um, the drums we we figure out we write ourselves. Whether you know we hire a guy or we program, um, but we don't have a drummer at the moment. So it's just the three of us as the lineup. Brian, you can play the drums. You wanna? I can. I'll be there. Where are you at? New York. Okay. <laughs> um, there is a. Uh... I've got a, a kind of like a two-parter here, and I want to start with the the goofier end of it. the okay. The intro to Boneyard, the Innocence of Genius. Yeah, that is that is so much fun, and I like if I hit shuffle on Dry Kill when I'm listening to Spotify, I will let that intro go, knowing that I'm not going to get the song after it, just because it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It must be great hearing what comes in after it sometimes. Oh like, yes, for sure. It's it, uh, you know you go from that to good night or something weird, and it's like all right. But how? I I I guess I hope that there's some kind of extra story behind it. Uh no, well no, there's not a story. It's just that that track right there. That is is the epitome of who Brendan is when you're hanging out with him. He's he's one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, I've been playing in bands with him since 1999, since he was 18 years old. Um, he's, he's my best friend, and he's just a lot of fun to be with, and you're always laughing when you're with him. And he just knows how to make the best, you know, the best time wherever you are. And that's, that's what it's like being in the studio. And we're just like, he would do that, like, over your shoulder while you were trying to cut tracks and stuff like that. And the guys were just, even the, the guys in the studio, the engineers and stuff, they're like, we got to get a cut of this. Just for us to laugh about, you know? <laughs> and, and and we ended up being like, we got to kind of put it on on the album, just lead into a song with it. That, so, but that's just that's Brendan, that's hanging out with him, that's what it's like. That's fucking great, man. Uh, and then my my the other part of this, because you know, obviously Boneyard is a, a fucking that's a pretty good damn song, is what I'm getting around to saying. Thank you. So the <laughs> uh, the easiest way to ask this is, what does it feel like? 
to write a song that kicks as much ass as most of the songs that you guys write. <laughs> and uh, how do you feel when you listen to it back afterward? And think, wow, I just kicked it's that like, fucking song's holy ass. Holy shit, that is all of the badass. I'm the wrong guy to ask. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have a hard time. How to put this correctly? It's not that I have a hard time listening to my stuff, but I never, it's really impossible for me to listen to it with an objective air the way somebody, an outsider would listen to it. You know, I listen to it. I think of the riff that didn't make it into the song. I think of the way I was playing it originally before I brought it into the room and played it for somebody else. I can't not hear those things when I hear the song back, or I think about when I was cutting it, you know, what I was going through that day. There's a lot of different emotions that run through my mind and memories that run through my mind when I listen back to my music that have nothing to do with just listening to it from a, from a listener's perspective. That being said, I try to write everything from the perspective of what I would want to hear. Right. I, I, I try to never write from what I think should be the way to go. It's just what, do you know, what combination of riffs or, or notes or what have you, have I not heard, lately or heard from a type of band that I want to hear it from like how can I write something that would make me enjoy it as a listener never quite comes out the way I hear it in my head and especially when everybody else gets involved it always becomes something new and it's nice because it becomes something surprising in a way that I never would have imagined or could have never done on my own that's the beauty of being in a band uh, with people that you respect and admire what they do and what they bring to the table but um, it's really hard for me to separate um, that kind of listener's experience from just knowing what I had to go through to get the song to where it is. It's just something I've never really been able to do, which is which is why I've never I've never fully produced our stuff up until up until recently. Um, it, it was kind of always hard to to have that disconnect in the studio to say this is how I hear it. This is how I'm trying to make it. I would get very steadfast. Like I have to stick to the script of how I hear it. And, um, and just didn't feel organic that way. So I would always need, I mean, we always had producers on the album, but when I would attempt to do it myself in demo mode and stuff, it just always came out very stiff. Um, I've, I've been working on that and, and trying to appreciate a song from a listener's perspective. Um, now that I'm in the position to have to produce our stuff ourselves, which is just, a matter of necessity now, but we also get feedback from like the guy who's mixing and recording now, Greg Thomas, and give, gives what he thinks about it. And I, and I take that into consideration uh, because I, I respect his opinion uh, very much and I love the work he does. But um, yeah, I just back to your original question. Sorry, I kind of went off the reservation. Oh, good. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's really hard to, to listen to it from with that kind of ear, like you say, like being like, oh, that, that was amazing, you know. Um, it's just something I've never been able to do. I don't, I don't know if anybody really does do that, though. I mean, you, yeah. I think you respect what you put out afterwards, and you say that's a job well done, or that's pretty close to how I heard it in my head. But I, I don't know if anybody actually sits back and hears it the way that an outsider hears. I, I glean from that that you're producing, uh, you produce Don't See Ghosts and Vices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, production for what it's worth. I mean, yeah, just. Uh, I demo the stuff at home. I um I do a rough mix. I, I don't really have that kind of uh knowledge though. I just I do a rough mix though at home. Um I track my tracks are are gonna, you know, the tracks that we're gonna use. I, I record. Uh depend both songs were done a little bit different. They were done close to the same time, but we tracked stuff in some different locations for for a myriad of reasons. But um 
I tracked, I took care of the drums. I programmed the drums on those songs. I tracked Brendan's bass on both songs. I tracked my guitars. Um, one I did at a friend's studio for Don't See Ghosts. The other I did with Greg Thomas um, at a rehearsal studio near my house with his rig. Um, I give him the demos of what I want it to sound like, and then he does a professional job on it. <laughs> and makes it sound really, really good. Um, so, you know, whether I tag him as co-producer or mixer, I'm not really sure, but but I definitely so far have been like, this is kind of how I want it to come out. It, in the future, we would like to have him uh, possibly take on a little more of a production role on a couple of songs and see how that goes. But so far, we've been enjoying just, you know, trying to do as much as we can ourselves. The uh, You say in the future, uh, and I'm going to double up questions here and try to combine yeah, things. Yeah. Um, a, did you purposely release something in 2006 when Tool last released an album and wait until they put something else out to put Vices out just to say, no, this is how it's done? Yeah. No, I mean, me and Maynard talked about it. Uh, <laughs> we weren't really sure how. Um, no, man, it just, just turned out that way, you know? Um, yeah, we would have liked to have done a little more last year, but it, it played out the way it played out. And um, yeah, we're just, the truth of the matter is we've, we've always been friends, the guys in the band. We've, we've been jamming off and on. We never stopped, honestly, going back to 2006. We never stopped hanging out. We never stopped jamming occasionally. We just never did it to the point where we said, this is the time to put it out. Um, but we always kept writing and hanging out with each other and saying, you know, it'd be nice to put it out, but just for us. And nowadays, with with the ability to do that, to track in your house, I mean, I know it's been around for a while, but I'm a late, I'm a little late to the game with a lot of the technology. But it's easier than ever to, you know, track professionally in your house, get really good quality things, um, send it to somebody, you know, with the internet connections and everything, and FTP sites, you could just drop mm. huge files to people who could pick up the ball and run with it for you, mix it, make it sound, make it sound sharp. Um, it just seemed like the right time to finally start releasing this stuff. Um, but the truth is we just, we do this because we're friends. We do this because we like hanging out with each other. We like the way the stuff that we do on our own sounds when we get together and let the other guys in on it. And, um, it's a good time. If it, if it wasn't, we wouldn't do this. You know, this is just a really great excuse for three friends, you know, was four for a while. Now it's just three of us. Um, it's a great excuse for us to get together and just have a good time. And that, that's why we're doing it. That is great, man. And the fact that you guys, you know, let alone all this time later, can still put out shit that not only kicks ass, but still has so much aggression and anger, for lack of a better way of saying it, in it is, is amazing. What is the plan moving forward? Is it, do you say, you know, you've talked about recording stuff here and there. Is there more stuff already recorded and can you send it to me? And what is, you know, what is the general plan moving forward? the guys who've been com you know the fans who've been commenting stuff already you know it's the album the album the album i don't think we're ever gonna do that at least that's not on the horizon right now um the plan moving forward is just more songs you cut me deep Jason. It. um we uh we don't have any finished at the moment we have we have a couple of songs written a couple that are like half written as well lots of ideas hundreds of riffs just just been back cataloged over the years um but not nothing's like in the can at the moment um but we're ready to go like we could record two more when the time comes that we're good to do 
Um, and we're just going to put the songs out one at a time. We talk about, you know, every maybe every like five or six songs, packaging them up as an EP if people want, just to have an excuse to have fun and do artwork and everything. Because I love working with like talented artists and graphic designers, you know, so it'd be nice to have a reason to do like a full package, like on an EP or something like that. But um, yeah, yeah, nothing set in stone right now. It's just about doing songs when um when we feel like it, truthfully. That uh. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, well, I was just going to say, like, in the case of this song, it just seemed like the right time. This one we had actually finished last year, like a month after we had done Vices. But we didn't, knowing that we didn't have a lot sitting behind it, it's like, well, let's not put it out just yet. And then things kind of get in the way. And we are releasing um, through E1 as like a distributor. Um, and it was like, well, this isn't the right time. But, you know, can you wait a little bit? And then it was just so happened with everything that's going on in the world. You know, we were just talking. It's like, you know, it seems like a good time to put a song out, especially this one. And, you know, we'll do like a little visualizer video for it. Just something, you know, we could do ourselves and just control as much as we can. It just seemed like the right time to put something out. And when it seems like the right time again, we will. Hopefully it won't be a year. I, I'm sure it won't be a year because, like I said, we have a few things written already. But, you know, just when when it seems right, it's right. You know, I can't really really put a, a finger on the calendar as to say, you know, this is going to be when it's going to be, but. Well, yeah. so count me in the group of people. There in that answer. <laughs> count, count us in the group of people who are uh, extremely looking forward to the next one. Yeah. Um, I'm, right I'm going to, much appreciated. I'm going to take a little sidestep here because you mentioned the artwork, the, uh, the artwork for uh, all the dry kill logic albums have, have been, noticeable in their own right the the uh the darker side of nonsense with that weird drawing and the tree there yeah. on dead and dreaming but the artwork for vengeance and violence has always struck me uh, the just the the colors and the the off-center picture that is that are you saying that that's you do you handle that no 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 um the album is um all right so I, I unfortunately, I, and I apologize to whoever uh, the person is. I don't know who the who the painter was, where they for the artwork that they did on the darker side of nonsense. Um, again, that was before my tenure with the band, and I do not remember the name of that artist. Um, the Dead and Dreaming and A Vengeance and Violence, both of those covers were done by the same uh, designer, a uh, gentleman named Aaron Marsh. Um, he used to be a part of a art collective called Sons of Nero back in the day um and i can't remember how we got hooked up with him but somehow he ended up on our radar and he did a couple of albums for uh for the label that we were on at the time repossession he had done my friend kobe's band Allstead, did amazing artwork for them and that might have even been how we got hooked up with him but he did the dead and dreaming um which yeah to this day I, you know it's funny probably because I didn't do that work I wouldn't have been capable of it but yeah that artwork is just I, I really find that to be one of my favorite album covers of all time um the vengeance and violence we went back to him um he did that i i had done the artwork for the new singles i did the artwork for the magellan complex ep and i used to do our t-shirts and posters just like the kind of day-to-day -day artwork but when it came time for things like our albums we always wanted to you know go as grand as we could and, and hire somebody whose work we really admired and work with them so yeah, uh, that's what we did for those uh, well you know in a in a string of just pleasantries here, I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> a string of pleasantries. <laughs> fucking job well done because that shit's really nice. Um, 
you mentioned the EP there that that, that gets overlooked a lot. The and I'm going to shoehorn in a conversation about your vocalist here because it okay. takes a, a guy with a pretty amazing voice to go after a Guns N' Roses song and a Danzig song. What was the thought process there? And how many times have you looked at that guy and said, dude, your voice is really fucking cool? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but the truth of the matter is I obviously I respect his talent immensely. That's aside from being friends with him all these years, that's that's the reason why we keep working with each other. I admire what he does. And if I didn't, I probably wouldn't play with him. You know, we would just be friends. But, you know, we're bandmates because I think we we have a lot of respect for what we both do. Um, and yeah, he's very versatile and, and I don't disagree with something you said earlier. Um, we were kind of talking about it before, um, beforehand during, uh, we were talking about being overlooked, you know, Cliff is a very versatile singer. He has a lot of range and I think people don't mention that enough. Um, the Guns N' Roses song was a lot of fun. It was great to do. I thought the Danzig song, he just knocked it out of the park. Dude, he could. Um, it could actually be the fucking song. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah, he did an amazing job on that. Uh, the, the story behind the EP was interesting. We kind of got forced into doing it, um, mainly because the guy who had the label we were on at the time needed to fulfill um, a certain quota of putting out releases for his distribution deal. And he's like, I need an EP from you guys. And we didn't have a surplus of original stuff um, to throw out there, but we were in the studio at the time working on uh, Vengeance. And we came up with the idea of doing, you know, a, a couple of covers and then we're like, you know, we'll put it on mixed version up of one of the songs we're working on and just stuff that we like to do. And it kind of spiraled out the process trying to pick which cover songs we were going to do. It just went all over the map. <laughs> um, but those were basically ended up being the two that everybody could agree on. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of time to really, for better or for worse, you know, it would have been nice to put a little more of an, or a little bit of an original stamp on those songs and kind of make them more, more what we do. Right. But because of the time we had, it was like, well, at the least we could do is just really pay respect to the songs and nail it, you know, note for note as best we can. And that's the route we took with it. And we were, we were pretty happy with how it came out. And it was fun for me as a guitarist. It was fun to really dive into the, the Guns N' Roses song and pick the individual parts, you know, out of the song. I'm a huge Izzy Stradlin fan. So it was great to just uh. kind of isolate the tracks and be like, oh, this is what he's doing here. Oh, this little slide is what he's doing here. So it was just, it was a really great kind of like exercise and, and, you know, taking apart a song and rebuilding it from the ground up, you know, even like the slide in the beginning and everything, like we were like grabbing every object we could find in the studio to mimic the slide at the <laughs> beginning of the song or something. We ended up with like a compressed air can going up the guitar neck and stuff <laughs> like that. It was, you know, it was just, it was a nice little break for a few days in the studio from what we were doing to just, you know, kind of clear our heads and do something a little different. So it was a lot of fun. Well, so I've got a question. Since now we know, you know, what your preferred slide is, um, <laughs> I I am a guitar player as well. Me and Clint are in a band, couple bands, do a couple things, whatever. And I got to know what you what what your rig is. Basically, your favorite your favorite guitar and kind of you know what you're using to record this. That get that super thick okay. tone you got. Thanks. Um, well, on those albums, um, 
it was a handful of amps that we had stacked on top of each other. There was a Bogner in there. Uh, I think it was a Uber shell, if I remember right. I'm not, I, truth be told, I'm not the biggest gearhead. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of been a Les Paul plugged into a, into a Marshall kind of guy. Um, I, in the studios, though, for the most part, uh, the guitars I use are, I have a nice ESP EC2. Um, that I do a lot of recording with, with, um, with, uh, Duncan 57s okay. and JBs in it. Actually yep. the JB, uh, is the one that really gets to work out. Cause that's the one that's in the, uh, the bridge pickup. Um, and, and then I have, um, I have a 78 Les Paul custom, um, that I have tuned to what we do, which is drop C. Um, and I do that for my second tracks usually. Um, trying to think what else I, I don't really I never really recorded with the baritone stuff, but I do have a, I have an ESP Viper baritone and okay. uh, Hamer. Uh, I had an endorsement with Hamer years ago in another band I was in, and they had made me like a prototype um, baritone. So I have that that comes out occasionally. But for the most part, it's my EC2 and my uh, my Gibson uh, custom. So, uh, as far as the rig goes, uh, my live rig is a JCM uh, 2000. Uh, the DSL 100 uh, the, the, that they put out some years back um, just with the typical, like, you know, the Maxon pedal in front that yeah. you get just for a little tightness of picking. But I'm, I, I don't really do much. I don't really add much to my tone. I just kind of go as direct as I can. That's about it. Civil. Sweet. I love it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, I'm going to take you mentioned in your live rig there and par parlay that into, despite us all agreeing that dry kill is criminally overlooked. And I have, I'm taking it up with higher authorities as we speak. Yes, we are. Um, you guys have been on some pretty big tours and done some pretty big shows. Are there any, you know, the, 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 uh, the, I'm taking the stuttering long way around to asking any good tour stories, anything stupid, anything fun, anything unbelievable, any combination well, of know, the 33 things I've already yeah, said. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're all fun. They're all fun. I mean, for me, that's the reason why I, got into this whole thing in the first place when I was a kid. I always wanted to go on the road. Um, I'd say some of the best times we had, honestly, that Gigantor we did, uh, that first uh, Gigantor with Megadeth and Dream Theater. Where Dave handpicked you guys. What? I'm sorry, can you repeat that, please? Where Dave handpicked you guys. Yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, that in and of, in and of itself was pretty amazing i mean yeah. such a small select group of bands get to go out on that and all of a sudden we're in the middle of it and in the beginning it was intimidating because it was definitely shred fest up until you got to like the first couple of bands um you know the early bands on the roster although live agony was was a headliner on the second stage and they're not a shred band either but yeah it was it was a great lineup and what made it so wonderful though was the hangs you know hanging out with the guys you know Life of Agony, us, Dillinger Escape Plan was on for a little while. So already got like a bunch of tri-state bands hanging out, right. talking about home all the time. Um, Fair Factory, we have a, a great relationship with those guys that go way back. I mean, some of Dry Kill's first tours when they got signed to Roadrunner was going out opening uh, support for Fair Factory. So they had a relationship with them already. Um and those guys just treated us great. But every everybody on that tour, the guys in Symphony X, I mean, it was just all about the hang on that tour. Um, and having so, you know, 
again, for anybody who's done Ozfest, any of those bands, everything they or you know Warp Tour, obviously, you know they they already know that that's what those tours are about more than anything else. For us, it was the first time doing something of that size. We had never done Ozfest or anything, so Gigantor was our our first opportunity to to tour with such a huge package, and it was it was amazing. Um, you know, getting to play softball with, <laughs> right. with Dave Mustaine, yeah. and stuff, you know what I mean. Like, when we got to New York City. You know, we we set up a softball game, and Mike Piazza from the Mets came and hung out. <laughs> I mean, like that doesn't happen when it's like a two band tour that you know we're headlining and stuff. So, so that. That was a really, really incredible experience that we were really, really grateful to be a part of. Not to mention just getting to watch Dream Theater and and um, and Nevermore and and Megadeth every night. Nevermore. I mean, there's another band. Nevermore. I grew up like one of the. I was a huge, huge Sanctuary fan. So to get to see World Dane and Jim Shepard every night up there, just killing it, and right. then getting to meet Jeff Loomis, and at the time it was Steve, um, and and forgive me if I say it, I don't know if it's Smith or Smythe, uh, who was also with Test, you know, he's been in a million bands, but he was on second guitar, Nevermore at the time, and it was just, and those guys were just the nicest guys in the world to us, um, and and they let me totally fanboy out on like sanctuary stories and stuff like that. It was, it was just such a great time. But um, yeah, it, it's the tours, the tour stories, and the tour memories for me are always about the hang. Um, I mean, one of the first things Drykill did internationally uh, after when I joined the band was, you know, we got to go to Germany and open up for Motorhead. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. I, I mean, this is these are literally the reasons why I learned why I became a guitar player in the first place. You know, like my my best memories in life are like who I got to meet, like, you know, my idols, people I admired and, you know, posters I had on my wall. Now I'm getting to share a stage with these guys. Right. It's like, this is, this is why I did it in the first place. That's so, fucking cool, yeah, man. It's, it's nothing, nothing debaucherous or anything. We were never those guys on tour. We were always pretty kind of quiet, low key guys, um, just kept to ourselves. It was just about the work when we were out there. And it's honestly, it's like so hard to just kind of stay healthy and, give your best on stage every night. There's not a lot of time to like run around and be lunatics. At least, you know, also, you know, we were older and everything already in our, you know, in our thirties and stuff. Right. So, you know, we, we were kind of quiet, low key for the most part with that stuff, but it was just getting to meet really, really amazing musicians and really great people and hanging out with them. And, you know, cool stuff like sightseeing, you know, getting to go places. I would have, I would have never got to go to Australia on my own, but fair factory brought us over in 2006 and, you know, just really amazing opportunities. Those those are the things that I always remember. That, uh, man, all that sounds like a lot of fun, especially talking tour stuff in 2020 when nobody's where, where you know it's X Y Z. We'll skip all that though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no there's no need to bring a good conversation down. Um, oh, we're gonna get ready to do that. <laughs> get ready to bring it down. I'm gonna we're gonna ask you one more uh, like actual question, and then we'll get to the goofy ass way that we end these things. Uh, Right just on. in general, uh, Jason, do you have anything else going on that we should know about that you want to let people know about that um, that you're proud of? Hell, I don't know. <laughs> Any good drawings? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like outside of fan stuff? Nah. Yes. Um, Any good drawings? You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, no, not, um, no, not much going on. Look, uh, like what's going on with the lockdown? I mean, you're asking if I have anything going on outside of the band, correct? Yes. Right, right. Just anything else that you there. want to pub, anything that you want to talk about. Just, you know, Jason's yeah. corner here. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I appreciate that. 
Yeah, no, I uh, I pretty much keep busy. I have um I have a baby now. Uh, she's like a year and a half old. She keeps me really busy, especially during the lockdown and everything. Um, when I hear people talk about getting bored, they've already watched everything there is to watch. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know what the hell you guys are talking. Like about. you've like, seen all the Blues Clues? <laughs> yeah, right. Like not even like we we don't have the kids looking at screens yet or anything so it's just like keeping it and my kids like up at like five in the morning so it's like just keeping <laughs> her occupied reading books and going for long walks and cooking food and walking my dog but um yeah no there's uh not a lot going on I'm just trying to keep my chops up as much as i can um i had spent a lot of years um when dry kill stopped being a full-time band and just kind of became more just a passion project for us um i had actually transitioned over to theater and uh, played in musicals for years. And I, and I actually kept touring up until probably about 2011, 2012. Um, but I was doing like, like straight up Broadway musicals and stuff. Wow. And being in the city, I would just, I would work at home on Broadway as well. So that I try to keep like, I try to keep my chops up for that a little bit. I've, I've never been much of a theoretical player. Um, but when I got into theater, it kind of forced me to, learn more about like, you know, alternate chord voicings and reading music and, and things like that. So I try to keep active and just kind of keep that muscle, you know, that muscle memory going and, and just try to keep those skills up. Um, just writing when I can, but otherwise I've just been reading a lot during this time. It's, you know, anything to keep my sanity, just rereading classics. Um, again, having a kid, it's nice. I get to go back and re-listen to a lot of music that I grew up with and I forgot how great how much great stuff is out there. So just, I've just been spending a lot of time revisiting like David Bowie's catalog and the Beatles and, you know, Jimi Hendrix and just all the, all the, all the stuff that's, you know, all the classic rock stuff, playing it for my kid for the first time. It just makes me listen to it and pay attention to it again. So I've been spending a lot of time just deep diving on, on classic music lately, which has been a lot of fun. That's, but that's, a, that's about it. That's great, man. Uh, I, 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 I have to ask if there's, a anything, because, I mean, you mentioned doing stuff on Broadway. That's obviously no small deal there. Anything that we would know off the top? Um, well, I've been a part of a, of a good amount of shows. Um, the biggest shows, let me think. Well, uh, I, I used to do the tour for the musical Rent. Oh. Um, that was actually my introduction to theater. Um, I, I toured with them back in, with that production back in 2007. Um, and then I did Green Day's American Idiot. Wow. Uh, I was, um, I was the One kinds guitar of player on Broadway, uh, for a number of shows. That was actually a really great experience. I got to actually, um, Billy Joe, the, the singer of Green Day, he actually, uh, came and joined the cast for a period of time. And I actually played his, um, his, his premiere, like his first night on stage and, um, got to play with him a lot. And it was nice because there'd be like, not to get too tangential, but like there's like sections in that show where it's just him and me on the like just you know the guitar player is just playing acoustic and he's singing alone and it's like sitting there being like I'm Billy Joe's guitar player that's pretty <laughs> bad so, you know whether or not you're a Green Day fan I didn't yeah. really I mean I knew of them but I didn't really I didn't really know their stuff except for the singles you'd hear on the radio or whatever um until I got until I got that show and then I was forced to learn an entire album. Um, and it's really, you know, it's really good songwriting and everything. Um, but it's like all of a sudden I'm sitting here going, I'm, I'm playing good. It's just me and Billy playing, you know, like that's kind of trippy. Um, and then I went out and did that tour. Um, I 
toured that across the country. And then um, I spent a couple of years as the fill and guitar player for a show called Jersey Boys. Sure. Um, Everybody's heard of really... Jersey Boys and Rent. That's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that really that really did a lot. Both those shows, Rent and Jersey's Bo- Jersey Boys, did a lot for my playing. Just made me so much more well-rounded um, in a way that I never really thought I would be. Um, so I'm very grateful for, for those opportunities. And um, unfortunately, I haven't, um, for like personal and health reasons, I haven't really been able to do it for the last couple of years. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting back to it when I can. And like I said, I try to keep those chops up. I try to, to remember everything I learned from being in those shows and just keep, keep building upon it. And again, it's just made me a much more well-rounded player. And I'm very grateful to have done it. Plus, I've just gotten to meet this incredible incredible musicians in, in such a different genre and different end of the industry that I would have never met before. You know, guys who played backup, you know, guys who were like in Madonna's band and stuff like that, you know, like, oh, right. you know, like cats that you would never meet, you know, just being locked into the metal scene and stuff like that. I've got the, I mean, some of the most, some of the sickest musicians I've ever seen are, are in that, are in the Broadway scene. And, and, and it's funny. And, and every now and then it overlaps with the metal scene. Like, um, I don't think I'm speaking out of school by saying this, but like, I know like Alex Skolnick from Testament, he, because I mean, everybody knows like he got into the jazz scene back in the day and with his trio would play around New York, but like he plays with, you know, some of the Broadway guys. And I think he was subbing on some shows around town for, for a small, you know, short period of time before Testament became fully active with him in it again. I shouldn't say fully active. They always have been, but before, you know, he joined back up with them and got really busy being invested again. Sure. Um, so I would run into him like, at, you know, like, you know, jazz, like, like a lot of guys in Broadway, like they'll do their shows and then they'll have like a solo gig at a bar down the street afterwards. And it'd be like, Oh, there's the guy from Testament over right. there. You know? It's like, Oh yeah. Cause he's friends with all these Broadway guys too now, <laughs> you know? So every now and then there's some overlap and there's a lot of metalheads who are in, who are in the Broadway scene, guys who, kind of came up being like, I always thought I was going to be in a metal band, but I went to college and I did this and, you know, whatever, life just kind of brought me around. And now I, like the guitar player for Book of Mormon, Jake Schwartz, like total shredder, total shredder. Wow. Could hang with the best metal guys. You know what I mean? Um, it, but he's got this amazing gig being in Book of Mormon. Right. You know? Which, I, which so I'm we sure. We could hang out. We could sit at a bar and talk metal all night, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'm sure touring with Book of Mormon pays the bills. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, not even touring. He's the Broadway. Oh, actually, the drummer for Wicked, Matt Vanderen. He was the drummer for Defiance. I don't know if you know that thrash metal band yeah. from the Bay Area back in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> that the drummer for Defiance is the drummer for Wicked. <laughs> That's you know? fucking crazy, man. There, there. Every this is. Hang on, let me gather my this, thoughts. This here. is Clint stuttering. This is, and I'm trying not to. <laughs> every damn thing you respond to here is so. Uh, thought out and or thought provoking or useful or just plain good. I could sit here and do this for an hour and a half easily, but that would uh, that would defeat the purpose of our stupidity here. So, in in line with what we do, we're gonna dumb it down. Let you let you get on with your Broadway to this from Broadway to (laughs) holy shit! Are you serious? So a couple of things real quick, and then and then we'll let you get on your way. The first one being a rapid fire. Um, two uh, two choices. You pick whichever one suits okay. you best. Clint normally will tell you if you're right or wrong, but I think he's t- so fanboy today. He'll probably just let you. Oh no 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 oh, no no one escapes. Right is right, wrong okay. is wrong. All right, all right, here we These go. Are things. Two choices. Here we go. 
Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Okay. Toilet paper, under or over? Over, man. What are you, a heathen? You're right, exactly. <laughs> Beatles or Stones, which you already kind of answered this one, I think. Uh, no, actually Stones. Oh. Yeah! <laughs> My God! <laughs> Fuck yeah! Almost yeah, everybody so, gets so, that one so wrong. Soup all day. Simpsons or Family Guy? Family Guy. Hammett or Hetfield? Hetfield. That best, is the correct best, answer. That's the one that Brian designed. Yeah. Beer or liquor? Liquor. Oh, so close. <laughs> You're doing so well. <laughs> the woods or the ocean? Uh, neither. Neither. The city. <laughs> He's a yeah, city yeah, guy. Yeah, city. Fall or spring? Fall. Final one. That's all, a big one. For all the whammies <laughs> or shekels or whatever. For you all got. the breakfasts. Sausage links or patties? Vegetarian sausage links. Vegetarian oh, sausage man. links. Double down on being wrong there. <laughs> At least he answered the question. But he did answer the question. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason, I, I can't tell you how much I've uh, enjoyed this. And, again, I'm being literal, and I know what literally means. Uh, I, I'd happily sit here and do this with you for another couple hours. But Brian may kill me. Yes. Um, so we're going to get you out of here and on to your Sunday, which I hope the weather is as Bye good bye-bye. there as it is here. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, it's beautiful here today. Well, yes. Then, by all means, let's get you the hell off the phone with us and to your daughter. And right you did on. say daughter, right? I didn't screw that up. Yep. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're going to get you out of here on the tropiest of tropy questions that everybody's been asked a hundred times before. You're getting shipped to an island. You get one album to take with you. What is it? For the rest of your life, Clint. For the rest for, of your life. For the rest of your life. Saying a dry kill logic album uh, is totally that, acceptable. That, man, that that's that's one album is difficult. Uh I'm gonna have to go with Tom Waits closing time. Tom Waits, nice. Tom Waits has been brought up more than yeah. twice here. Right. Maybe, uh, his I first think. album though, for me, closing time. I, I, yeah, that that's the one. That's the one I could probably get the most the most out of. Good call. I will I will not tell you that you're wrong on that one. <laughs> since I won't be stuck <laughs> on the island with you. Right. All right. Right on. Lucky for you. All right. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for this. This was great. Pleasure's all of ours, yeah, man. Pleasure's all ours, man. Uh, Jason, nothing but the best. We can't wait to hear more. Uh, feel free to run any upcoming Dry Kill songs by us before you release them. Yep. And uh, yeah, all the best, man. Have a good one. Right on. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Man, oh, man. Full disclosure, I've already sent him a text message saying, dude, you know, we, we, we talked to him for a second after the interview. Expressing our um, fandom, fandom, sure. And, and I've sent him a text message again saying, "No, look, seriously, thanks." And was, seriously, send us all the demo tracks. <laughs> <that you mentioned. laughs> In case I didn't make that clear enough, um, I, I again, the um, I, and I don't. I, I hate that this has a negative connotation because it's obviously not the way I mean it. This might not be the biggest show for us, as in actual the band is huge because we've we've already expressed our grievances about them not being as big as they should be. Mm. But this show was a a very big deal, is a very big deal to me and Brian because we genuinely love this fucking band, and they've been so influential on us. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop saying things now. And we're just going to play their newest song. Let us speak for this song. Don't see God.
See? I told you it was good. It's still good. It's always good. Dry Kill Logic are fucking great, man. Um, and something that hasn't been mentioned here, and I wanted to talk to him about, but didn't, uh, the Hinge stuff that he brought up. There's a song called Pork Chop Sandwich. Delicious song. <laughs> it is so great, man. And it's just as goofy as it sounds, but it doesn't really fit the Dry Kill Bill at this point. Uh, but anyway. I saw that movie. Did you? Dry Kill Bill. Dry Kill Bill. <laughs> part one or two. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, we are super stoked and happy to be part of this. Uh, our good friend Ebony with Ebony. Eb- <laughs> 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 Ebony. take a show break, and so you had six more beers. Right, 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 right. Ebony Jeanette PR, EJPR, and Los Angeles-based extreme metal record label, Metal Assault Records. They've announced Remote Brutality, hashtag Remote Brutality. Oh. An extreme metal virtual Halloween show featuring the heaviest sounds streaming from lockdown around the country. Set for premiere via the EJPR YouTube channel on October 30th, 2020, obviously, at 8 p.m. It will feature spirit-crushing performances from Los Angeles, California, black metal headliners Warwind, who we'll hear from here shortly, Columbus, Ohio, black metal sec, sec, band, I'm going to go with band, <laughs> The Conquering, New York-based, grindcore, acid trip, death metalers, oh sorry, my God. skull shitter, skull shitter, right, in Minneapolis, uh, guess where that skull is, <laughs> guess where Minneapolis is, <laughs> uh, Minnesota, yes, it is. Uh, sick, nasty, death metal, wrecking crew. Great slave. Good job, Brian. Remote Brutality will raise funds for each performing band along with the following organizations. Mid-Ohio Food Bank and the Sunrise Movement. Sunrise Columbus Chapter. There's a $3 suggested donation for viewers, but no one will actually be turned away without donating. But. Stop it. Please donate. The show creator's purpose is to give metal to the people and raise support for the bands we love and miss seeing at shows. Official sponsors include our guys, Brimming Horn, the six most metal breweries. That's actually their name. I'm not going to list off six breweries here. Mm-hmm. The Rock Solid Pressure Show and, of course, us. Yours truly, the Again. epitome of stupidity. October 30, 2020, we will include the links. 8 p.m. Eastern. The shows, 8 p.m. Eastern. And... uh Not an editing nightmare at all for me. (laughs) (laughs) Seamless. That's a band name. The first song we'll play here is Grave Slaves Underworld Connection.
that sound like Grave Slave to you? First time I've ever made a show. <laughs> yeah, it did. Sounds just like it. It sounded just like Grave Slave. Yeah. Um, That's weird. They have underworld connections. <laughs> uh, up next is Warwind. Their uh, their song Unleashed off their upcoming album. It comes out October. Eventually. October. October fuck. October fuck. Got it. Yeah. Leap year. 23rd. Their new album comes out October 23rd. This is their song Unleashed. Again, they and the previous band, Grave Slave, will be on Remote Brutality October 30. Ready, set, go. <laughs>
All right. Now what, Clint? Now what, Maestro? Clint? Yeah. Now what is? It's actually not on me. No. There, there's been a request to bring Gear Geekin back. So now what? We listen to our fan, Brian. <laughs> our one fan. Our fan. <laughs> yeah, we used to do a segment called Gear Geekin because I get so much fucking gear. Yeah. Every every time we did a show, I had something new to talk about. Brian's actually to the point where he doesn't tell me when he buys a new guitar. Anymore. Yeah, I don't. No he one just cares. sees if I notice. Yeah. My new gear is a, uh, I, I, on a, I don't know, I don't even know if I talked about it before, on a whim or on a, just an impulse buy, I bought a DC Pro Epiphone red glorious thing to try to do some, thought I was going to get some, um, some decent doom fuzz tones out of it, and it just gave me nothing but nasty poop. Nice Played poop. the guitar twice, hung on the wall as a $530 fucking expensive wall hanger, and, uh, Recently traded it away for a nice Epiphone 339 semi hollow body. There you go. Just a sexy translucent red. Uh, been wanting. It a, is a really nice shade of red. Uh, been wanting another semi hollow body for a while. I was hoping to get find one with P90s in it, but this one does just fine. P90X or no, just P90s. Okay. P90s. P90s. Did I say an X? Well, I mean, I'm asking. People want to know. You're buff. When you have hair. <laughs> Anyways, quick little gear geeking. There you go. Gear geeking. And uh, now. Epi for epi. After all of this heavy metal funness, we're going to not necessarily pull it all the way back, but we're going to calm it down just a little bit with a local band. We're going to bring back the local flavor. Uh, this is Dead Man's Do, D-E-W, just in case you're wondering, not Dead Man's Hair Do. A mm. uh, song called Tempered in Blood. Ready, set. Guitars. Hanging on the precious rope, having lost any hope. Oh, it could not be more dry.
And there you have it. We're doing a fast intro because this show's already too fucking long. <laughs> Says Brian. Okay, uh, this is the end. My only friend. I knew you were going to do that. And <laughs> Thanks you know, for waiting for me. And you know I hate the doors. <laughs> Thanks for waiting for me. <laughs> I'm here for you, buddy. Uh Thanks again to Jason of Dry Kill. Uh, not to overstate this to the point that you should hate me, but goddamn, I love Dry Kill, and I'm so fucking happy that he joined us. And uh, the riffs, we didn't even get to talk about the riffs. We didn't. The we riffs. Get to, uh, I could have so easily talked to him for two hours, and he had good answers. Anyways, hopefully we have him back on. Hopefully have we have him back a, on. A fucking EP or when, something. Put out. Yeah, when they when this one song at a time is bullshit. The whole internet. You know what? Don't listen to Brian. Do whatever you do. It's fine. Just keep putting out music because, goddamn, I love it. Um, I agree. Thanks again to Jason. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, Brimminghorn, Pig All Cables. If you want to sound better, start with using better cables. That's not actually their tagline. That's just something I say. Um, and then the Remote Brutality, October 30. Bunch of good bands. Check all of them out and be ready to use YouTube and donate to some good causes. Why wouldn't you? You're a good person, aren't you? Mm. I'm Ron Burgundy. Mm. Okay, well, that's it. You said it, so now it's on there. So. Review us on iTunes. We're available on all of the places that you're currently listening to us from. Tell your friends because they need to listen to better things. Like they both have know friends. It. You don't uh, have any friends. Calm down. Tell your mom. She's got <laughs> Tell our book club. Uh, send us more music, preferably stuff we can find on streaming sites. Email eostupidity at gmail.com with said music. We're on all of the social media sites, as long as all of the social media sites are Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter. You got anything, Brian? Bye. <laughs>